John Summers is the motoring historian. He was a company car thrashing technology sales rep that turned into a fairly inept sports bike rider. Hailing from California, he collects cars and bikes built with plenty of cheap and fast and not much reliable. On his show, he gets together with various co-hosts to talk about new and old cars, driving, motorbikes, motor racing, and motoring travel. Good day, good morning, good afternoon. It's John Summers, the motoring historian. Um, with uh, his not just one school friend, but two school friends today, Mark Gammy and and Dinsmore Greep. Um, introduce yourself, gents. Friend was a bit strong. Friend was a bit strong, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't yeah. Rank, rank above an acquaintance, I don't think. Yeah, no, no but, but really... Uh, I, I feel like in some ways this this pod has been a bit in, disingenuous because really it was always the three of us rather than just the two of us, although the two of us were always more about more about cars. Hence today's episode, because Greep, you spent many years driving vans, did you not? I did indeed, yeah, yeah. Firstly it started off up in Worcester working for that um reclamation charity that uh was uh set up by the guy that owned worcester warriors rugby club and um set up worcester bosch you know the uh the boiler company over here as well um but yeah so that job working for this charity was to drive around various businesses in the west midlands and collect stuff that would otherwise go to landfill that we would then like, you know, take back to the warehouse and sell to schools and clubs and things so they can use them for various bits of arts and crafts. So, yeah, that was my first experience of driving vans. They were long wheelbase Mercedes Sprinters, which were uh, tasty bits of kits as far as vans goes. Yeah, I think like... Uh, that your average white van driver will go one of two ways when with their van aspirations i feel and that'll either be like the uh, volkswagen transporter but with alloy wheels and you know chrome and blacked out mirrors around the back and all that sort of thing or you know the mercedes sprinter for your your proper working man but you can do 85 in the sprinter yes well, okay, so what year Sprinter are we talking so, about? Well, when I was working there, what have I been down back back here, what, 11 years now? So, yeah, like around 2010. Okay. I mean, I couldn't, couldn't say exactly, but around that sort of era, I reckon. And they were, they were, they were manual transmission? Yeah, manual transmission. Five speed? Five speed, just beginning to bring in um, USB ports, and with that two point seven CDI motor that went normally two point two, I think they were, but talked up. A, a what? Sorry, two point two liter engines the majority of the time. I think. I don't know. And good, good for that. 
and single rear wheel. Yes, on the Sprinter, yeah. and 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 good for that eighty-five, or good for better than that, as the the Gammy was depending on the load, obviously. But yes, what I liked about it, it was my first experience of having cruise control as well. <laughs> you know, where you could like, <laughs> yeah, and it just set the speed and what i liked about that is that it wouldn't slow down but you could overtake you could put your foot down and release the gas pedal and it would go back to what you set your um cruise speed at but yeah if if you braked it would clear your cruise speed and wouldn't like pick up for you again after that so did it have um did it did it have a column for that yes so yeah, that, just a little that, lever on the on on the uh, the steering yeah. column. Now I don't know what you found, but in my experience, this is a total hobby horse of mine. This is one of the things that I think Mercedes drivers understand and non-Mercedes people don't. Is there's little design things that make make Mercedes better to drive, and I think that cruise control being on the stalk is definitely one of them. I did a long journey in the Mustang um, just recently, and it has one of these cruise controls where you have to like switch the button on and then push another button to set the speed. And it's not the end of the world, but it means that you don't, you, you only use it on the freeway. Whereas a Mercedes cruise control, you can use that in the way that you would use an, an old fashioned overdrive, like cruising between traffic lights, because you can just flick it on as easy as knocking an indicator on an, on and off so that's my that's my aside on uh on indicators yeah and as long as you didn't hit the brake it would like do the pickup for you you know it'd accelerate for you to your set speed and everything whereas the mercedes sprinter fridge vans that sainsbury's had were slow as fuck they were not and they were autos and they were pants uh, they were i mean they were usable pieces of kit but they neutered them so they wouldn't do any more than 55. Um, I mean, I had 65, 67 out of it, but I had to knock it into neutral down a really long. So what year was this? What year was this? Like teens, 20. Teens, so it would have been a teens. Uh, this is a teen sprinter. Yeah, early teens. With, with a, with a, with another diesel, with that same 2.2 diesel. 2.2 diesel with the fridge and the freezer bit on the back. And um, high body, so really yeah. bad aero. Really bad aero, yeah. Um, bad handling yeah. too? Well, I mean, you've got a real load full of like refrigerated goods strapped in crates to the side of the, ba- the walls of the van. You're not exploring the limits of grip here. Um, so You mean you never I did? Uh, not really. I mean, like the thing will do 55 miles an hour and handles like a small barge. So, you know, it's, um, but you had 65 out of it by getting into neutral, you were saying. See, but no, I'm not sure about it. I don't think I'd wanted to hit 70 just to see. Um, and they said, oh, you're not allowed to do any of that stuff because it's GPS tracked. And I, I was, oh, yeah, and cowed by that. And then after about a bit in the van, you're thinking, <laughs> like, oh, fuck off. Who's checking the GPS trails for that shit unless I have an accident? So, uh, that then it became a personal mission to see how fast I could get the van to go. Um, I don't think I ever got 70, but as I say, after you went past 55, it wouldn't let you accelerate. The accelerator just did nothing. So you had to accelerate hard to 55 and then hit it into neutral as you were going down a long hill. <laughs> but with it, 
Bird lip, bird lip. Oh, well, well, bird lip would have been that. a dream, yeah. but I didn't, that wasn't in my catchment area. I didn't roam to bird yeah. lip in the short period yeah. I worked for them in between jobs. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, hey, on the other hand, I looked after my vans. I never had any van, let's say, for argument's sake, burn to the ground. Well, it's funny, because we were talking of doing this uh, podcast, I was like looking back on my time driving vans, because I've always considered, you know, in rose-tinted glasses, that driving the vans for as long as I did made me a better driver, just all round, you know, more aware, able to jump in any vehicle and just drive it, you know, and the, the spatial awareness is much better and that sort of thing. And I, you know, would pat myself on my back by going, oh, you know, you know, I, I really learned from that experience. And um, yeah, looking back, it's well, maybe I learned because of how many failures I had. <laughs> and yes, one of the ones that you so uh, just referenced was I'd been asked by uh, my uh, boss at the food firm that I was working at to go and pick a van up from Exeter and drop one off. This is from Plymouth. So, This is from Plymouth. Yeah, that's from Plymouth. So I bombed up the uh, A38 and the M5 motorway to Exeter, picked up this van that just got a brand new reconditioned engine, and then started driving it what back was it? to um, Plymouth. What was it? A, a Sprinter again, I think. Um, it might have been a transport, um, not the, uh, the Crafter was the Volkswagen version on the same sprinter platform so it might have been one of those but i think it was a so sprinter. it was the sprint it, it, but, if it's so the crafter the volkswagen crafter was basically a sprinter that volkswagen made under license yes and, and then um so it was their mo the whose motor was that. it it was it was the oh well, I, I don't know but fiat and peugeot had the same sort of deal with their vans they were the same platform I think it uh, might be Citroen as well, given that um, that's another French car company. So I think the Citroen Relay um, works van was on the same platform as the Fiat Ducato and the Peugeot, which oh, I Boxer. forget the name of it. Boxer. <laughs> so yes, dri driving back, dri driving back from Exeter with this. Uh, Sort of van with a brand new reconditioned brand diesel new. engine. Nice. Brand new reconditioned engine rather than brand new. <laughs> yes. Driving along and um, yeah, just quite happy listening to some music, pooting along. And then a uh, guy in a Peugeot Bipper, you know, one of those little vans on a car platform came bombing past me and pulled up in front of me about 200 meters ahead of me and he got out and he did the signal from south park you know <laughs> the team the, the, signal. The, yeah the team america world police what's the signal <laughs> ah! he, he got out of his van and was running towards me going like that and he, i was like what what and it, as soon as my foot touched the brake pedal like literally the smoke, the cab filled with smoke and every light on the dashboard came up. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, right. And um, 
<laughs> so uh yeah but yeah so i dived out of the van and stopped all the traffic coming from behind and uh yeah and there we were half an hour later the um the van was a, a pit of melted tar on the road and there was like about eight... so was it it was still in the carriageway uh, i'd pulled it over onto the hard shoulder Oh, I should say that, that I'd lost. But it's day thirty-eight. It's only half a hard job. Yeah, I'd lost power, and I'd just gone back past this like parking quarter of a mile sign, and so I thought, clever on me, I'll just coast along the hard shoulder into the parking layby. So I wasn't doing like full speed along the motorway. So oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. So just... so when you put the brakes on, the smoke came. I when was the fire? And when did you get stopped? The smoke was when you were still rolling along. No, there was no smoke when I was rolling along. As far as I was aware, I'd just lost power and was just... Because it was all in a big comet-like cone <laughs> behind you. <laughs> I, I was just cruising, <laughs> coasting, you know, freewheeling at the side of the road. <laughs> and this, ah, you're on fire! <laughs> <laughs> like a spaceship on re-entry, just like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd say, yeah, dived out of the van, um, suffered a little bit of shock. Uh, loads of bikers that I picture in my head were all Hell's Angels, but probably weren't, given that it's the, uh, the south of England, you know. They gave me a couple of rollies and stuff. And then, um, so I called work and said, so called my boss and said, Howard, there's a problem with the van. And he went, oh, what is it? I went, it's no longer a van. <laughs> <laughs> it's a traffic incident yeah now. well he, he i didn't know it was a proper traffic incident like that but at the time but then um he sent another driver that had just finished his round to come pick me up and he was maybe 10 miles from where i was coming from plymouth and he said that you could see the column of smoke from <laughs> the, mar <laughs> the marsh mills roundabout <laughs> <laughs> and it it was on the it was it was on the local news like a, a ten mile tailback on the A thirty eight. Yeah, yeah. So did someone just not put oil in the fucking engine or something as dumb as that? Well, officially, the story is that it was something uh, wrong with the engine. Um, unofficially, I don't know if I maybe hadn't got out of fourth. That shouldn't set the whole so, thing on fire. So, <laughs> you know, but, but you know, I, I, I have never uh, pilloried myself too much for that one because I'm not really certain. Because you know, you can drive on autopilot and things. And I was, I was had just overtaken stuff when the power lost, and I was like, well, I'm in fourth, but I had just overtaken, so. You know, I might not have been in fourth from it. One way or the other, that that should not have one plus one in those circumstances does not equal several hours yeah. in the lay by, you know, by a barbecued van. Yeah. It actually reminds me of my, my mate Neil from university. He drove, he had a Ford Orion. Um, and that Ford Orion suffered a very similar fate to your van. What year? Huh? What year? Ooh. Pre-facelift or post-facelift? Did it have the grill? I, I, I don't know. It was, was pre-university. It was like it was a year or two before university. So you, it would have been like 
like that he had it so it would have been like 91 something like that if it was new i don't think it was new so it would have been like mid 80s at best um but anyway i remember him telling me that he was driving along and then he stopped and then he stopped at the like, traffic lights um smoke poured out all of the air vents and he drove <laughs> he was like uh oh um, drove it across to the round the corner and parked it up on the side of the road in front of a terrace street uh and within minutes it was a fireball um and the, the old lady that lived that, that in the house there uh, came out and he ended up when the fire brigade arrived he was sitting on a on a deck chair that she brought out for him with a cup of tea having a fact to calm his nerves <laughs> um whilst the thing just was just destroyed in front of him immolated um before him <laughs> much like you in your van yeah No, I mean, you never want to say I've never rolled a car or I've never caught a car on fire because you kind of, you feel like you're tempting fate, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Homer's non urinat inventum. says <laughs> in Amsterdam on the, on the museum. Yeah. Well, I mean, another of my I wish I'd never was driven through that dry stone wall outside the country estate in Cornwall in in yet another works van, I think this this was a uh, Fiat Ducato. And you know, I said um, you learn from, or I learn to be a better driver. So this was when I stopped eating when I was driving. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I uh, was reaching into my lunchbox for one of you know a crab stick. To eat whilst driving <laughs> and then lost. I love, I love the way he remembers the exact food that yeah. he was eating. Crab sticks are crimpot. Yeah. And, and lost the crab, <laughs> crab stick in the lunchbox. So then, oh, then mate. looked down Bastard. and then the road disgustingly, <laughs> outrageously. outrageously decided to take a corner. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you, and you mentioned earlier, like, um, about uh, not exploring the limits with your van because it could only do well. I I did explore the limits of grip with this van <laughs> at that point, and uh, took it through those limits and through a dry stone wall, which caused the tire to blow out. <laughs> Luckily, that was what I told the boss happened. I so the tire caused it rather yeah, than so, the so I told. The truth, but just <laughs> the events, maybe not in the the right order. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did explore the limits of grip on a different van, the Citroen C35s that we had at Bombard in France. I once took that at full speed round the Amboise Bridge right up towards Limeray and got the back end of that van out, only at about 25 miles an hour, but I was not expecting that. And 
Furthermore, did you know, I know you did because I spoke to you about it, you can pull away a Citroen C35 van in the middle of tour from traffic lights in fifth. If you put it in fifth, rev the nuts off it and just dump the clutch and kangaroo down the road for about 400 yards. Yeah. It's doable. Those, those, those C35 vans, the thing I always remember about them was, do you remember on one side, the thread was clockwise on the wheels <laughs> and on the other side, the thread was anti-clockwise. And the story went that once it had a flat tire and people had spent like ages and got all these poles and all this kind of stuff only to find that they were trying to turn the wheel nuts the, the wrong way. And that's why they couldn't, uh, they couldn't take the wheels off them. So there was always, and I'd never, I mean, and it's so crazy and so French that, uh, that they should uh, that they should have them like that. I do remember the the five speed uh, transmission that that mm. they had. I remember the fact that in one of them there were a couple of those C thirty five vans, weren't there? And I remember in one of them, if if you were in like second, you could see through past the engine onto the pavement. You know, it was uh, as you as you changed gear, like the boot all 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 moved around. The you other thing I remember, gear lever in in fifth gear, you could move it in about a foot square without taking it out of fifth gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember it had um, the other thing that I remember about those C thirty five was they had a grey Velia speedometer with like a sweep gauge. I loved the sweep oh, yeah, gauge; yeah. it was like a ribbon. And the the needle did a sweep, did a sweep past it because they were they were that Citroen was the same design as the contemporary um, Fiat Ducato, if that was the the name. It was an Italian. It was like an Italian French combination, if you can imagine anything. Because uh, it's kind of ridiculous, right? Like the UK that. licenses that we've all got entitle us to drive, isn't it? Up to like three and a half ton box fans, like with seven and a half, seven and a half. That's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that's changed. Now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for good. I mean, I've driven them, but it, it's you have to be pretty on your case with your uh, with oh. your with your sort of you know your spatial awareness points oh, because dude, when when I was a lad, um, like about Ollie's age, like eight or nine, um, my dad rented a BRS Ford Cargo, like mm -hmm. a box truck. Um, we rented it with a friend, or I can't remember whether he was driving it, but I remember it's the first time I'd ever been in a truck. And it was one of those where me and my dad were on like the two passenger seats and, and that was, and then there was the shift and the handbrake. And then, you know, the, my dad's mate driving the, the truck, but that was huge. And I couldn't believe that you could drive it on, on a car license. Um, I can't, it's hard to believe now that, that in America you can, you know, U-Haul will rent, somebody who just got their driving license, you know, driving around the block in Wisconsin, U-Haul in New York will let you rent a twin wheel V10, you know, Luton top van towing a trailer on your car license. But, you know, I guess, uh, as you've observed many times before, Mark, it's about freedom. It is. <laughs> the Bombard yeah, summer. Passes by. The Bombard summer in France, the Mercedes 308. Do you remember that? It was yeah. slow and the gearbox was a bit reluctant. That was like an 80s Mercedes, one of the ones where they had, where the, the indicators did the wrap around and had the little like strakes in them. But that was the first van where I had that feeling of independence, where it was mine, my domain. I love the fact that you could have a nap in the back of it. You could have a pee in the back of it. It was like your own private, like private space. 
um, I also love the fact that people got, got, got out of the way. Like it was the first time I'd ever had that white van man experience with, uh, with, with people, uh, with people getting out of the way. Now, um, that's, that's definitely a thing. People avoiding you. Definitely. Yeah. Does the van need to be white? No, a, a work van, either plain or emblazoned. But if you've got like alloys on and things like that, your your average driver will spot that that's you know not a work van and won't treat it the same way. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dens, I, I've a. a so whilst we've uh, whilst I've I've got you on here, let me do these uh, these questions with you now. What of of the vans that you drove over the over the years that you were? What was the best one? Uh, well, there wasn't really a best one because each had, depending on what you were looking for, each had their uh, high point. Uh, when I was working at Olympia Foods. When they got the new Fiat Ducato in, that was the one that everyone wanted to fight. What, what over year was initially. that? That must have been like 2010, something like that, I think. Um, but that the talk on those meant, do you know the big hill just outside of Exeter where um, the A380 to go down towards yeah. Torquay? splits off from the a38 yeah. and you go up that hill yeah holden that's hill. holden hill yeah 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 so um the fit ducato could do that with the olympia foods display stand stuff and, and equipment from you know the the west country food show up that at 65 70 without needing to drop a gear hmm. Hmm. whereas the sprinters couldn't but the sprinters had the USB slot and the uh, the cruise control and slight, slightly comfier uh, driving position. Um, yeah, detail. but then and then and then the Renault Master was the smallest van, but it had the for your reverse parking, which when you're a delivery driver, you know, trying to get into tight spots down on St. Ives Harbour, that was definitely a bonus, having the uh, the reverse parking sensors. Yeah, our... Because every other van, every other van, the sensor was, oh yeah, I've hit the wall. Our... I, feel, I feel, given <laughs> we're talking about proximity driving, you, you ought to tell the story of your first day in the van and, that, and the, the fact that the GPS kind of nagged you <laughs> pretty hard. So, so uh, yes, at Olympia Foods, I'd... Um, recently got the job and I'd done my like training, which was to go out with the more experienced drivers and get shown various runs and things like that. And um, yes. And then one day, two weeks sooner than it should have been, Paul, the warehouse manager said, oh, I'm sending you to um, Dartmouth. I was like, brilliant. Yeah. I know where Dartmouth is. And of course, knowing where something is and actually, you know, driving in and around it, looking for various businesses, are completely different matters, you know. And I now know that Dartmouth is actually like a boot. You know, you come down, you go along the harbour, come round the one-way street, and then out of Dartmouth, and that's it. That's all you have to do. 
Um, but I didn't know that because it wasn't a run that I'd been shown. So I was in a VW Crafter, hired, not not even owned by the company, hired for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Sent out into Dartmouth and the South Hams run, which I hadn't been shown. And uh, I had my dad's old um, sat-nav, which will now call forevermore, shat-nav. Uh, so driving into Dartmouth, and imagine, you know, I, I'm driving down the car for the boot, and what I need to do is go down to the heel and then come along the sole, and then I can do all the deliveries around the harbour, and then come back along the toe, and then up along the shin of the boot, if you like, to get out of Dartmouth again. Ah, uh, no, my sat-nav decided, why would it be a much better idea if you drive through all the little, you know, 17th century fisherman's village streets and roads to drop you down into the harbour that way of course I, I was like all right yeah mr shatnav i will follow what you say so i start driving down these um tight ass tight ass like little um uh streets it's a long wheelbase the crafter's long wheelbase uh this one actually wasn't because it was a hire van so it was just i mean it it, it wasn't short wheelbase vehicle you know it's still like <laughs> lot. i anyway i was going down these like little lanes like little ginnels back lanes whatever i would only done about 100 meters and i already decided i'm not reversing out here because you know some of the corners that i've been around i can't physically see to reverse background so i was right it's it's forge forward you know um and so forward i went and then uh, maybe two and more meters. I then went down some steps. <laughs> Always <laughs> a good sign on a road, I feel. <laughs> two or three steps on a road. And and then, I, and that's when I really knew I was in trouble. What, what's that mean, Go? That's when he knew he <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and I, probably would have got away with the whole experience if there wasn't scaffolding down this street that I was driving down. So down some steps, which you don't want to do in a work van anyway, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) and I've, I've already had to wind down the, the, the windows to pull in the mirrors because the street I'm driving down is so tight. And then I, I like get to this little bit and there's scaffold it, a scaffold tower up on this little cottage. But it's not like traditional because, you know, it's a really, really tight lane. So it's only sticking out about a foot, the scaffold poles, but on the passenger side of the van. Right. So, so I go, <laughs> no worries. I line up, you know, like this so I can like judge the, uh, the distance, right, and drive along and clear the scaffolding. Absolutely brilliant. However, the cottage on the driver's side of the road, about three feet up, or three feet of height, it stuck out about a foot from the rest of the wall, a little buttress. Yeah. And um, so I'm driving along, and of course, on the sprinters, it has the slightly toading nose on it. Give, make it look a bit more aerodynamic, which leaves just a shoulder of your tyre exposed. And that got caught on the bus for us. 
Uh, but unbeknownst to me, who couldn't see that th- this was sticking out, so I'll oh, floor it, get through. You know, that'll be that'll be the answer. <laughs> so, and uh, it was. I did get through, but um, not without incident, <laughs> <laughs> because the uh, the the two steering wheels um, were they call it Dagenham Dartford. One of them was pointing at like 12 and the other was pointing at like two o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my, the, the steering wheels are like that. And so I, I drove down, got to a, like, a little safer area where I you know, could park up and like not block traffic and stuff. And then uh, phoned the boss up saying, oh, you know, this is my first day out by myself and I've ruined a hire van. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, I don't Sorry, think I'm going to have a career here very long. Yeah. So he sent out one of the <laughs> warehouse staff to, to come along and um, fit a new tyre because it had popped, obviously. Um, and he couldn't because there was no tyre fixing, tyre replacement. Each van is supposed to have like a kit to enable you to uh, replace a wheel. Uh, but the wrench, the torque wrench handle, was about nine inches long. Whereas if you have a professional tyre fitter turn up, their torque wrench handles are like, you know, a metre and a half long. So trying to untorque a buckled wheel with a nine-inch wrench handle, it just bent. So, yeah, the... We then had to call the RAC out, but this warehouse driver, he couldn't get the van out of the space that I'd parked it in, in amongst these garages and stuff like that. And for me to get out, to get down onto the harbour, call the RAC to come and sort the wheel out. Boss, but they're pointing at like 12 and 2 o'clock. And he went, just fucking do the rub. (laughs) So (laughs) after about a five-hour delay... Um, I got going again and then spent the whole rest of the, uh, I, I think I drove about another six hours with that van, with the steering wheel constantly cranked over as hard as I could manage it, just to drive in a straight line. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Um, you, remember, so, yeah, that... you remember I had that transit for that summer in England? This is a story that um, my, my, my family know, but, but, but you don't. This is just a, a vignette. Um, I uh, was staying in hotels. And when you buy beer, it's not very economical, is it, to buy like, individual cans? It makes more sense to buy a six-pack. And, you know, when you go from – there's usually a, you know, ice-making machine or a fridge or something like that in the room you're staying in. So you can chill the the beer in your what? Well, anyway, long and short, I had a spare can of beer in my suitcase um, when I was uh, when I had that transit, and I only had a suitcase, and I just thought at first I tried to like attach it to the side of the van, but after a bit I was just like because I, I live in San Francisco where there's loads of car break-ins, right? This van had a bulkhead; it was a, a silver transit. 
It's the thumbnail of episode two or three, one of those. But either way, it's a silver transit. It had a bulkhead. So you, you had to get in, to get into the back. You had to get out of the cab, right? And, and so what that meant was anything that you, any valuables that were in the cab were visible from the, so I put my suitcase in the back so it wasn't visible, right? And it slid around a bit and I was fine with it sliding around or thought I was, but you know, anyway, long and short, I, uh, I thought I was fine with it, but it split a can of beer and pissed beer all over all my stuff. So I had all these like nice clean shirts and jeans and things for later in the drip. And all of them were, there was, there were, there were rare books. Everything is stinking now of, of cheap beer. And I wish I'd just gone to the hotel bar and not been such a fucking skin flint. Yeah. I can't believe we've got this far through this van episode without mentioning my brown Ford Econoline van. And, and one... Kitty Fiddler van. The, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Oh. The, it, it does. It, 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 and, and, uh, and, and just, and I would highlight just, just one story in particular. Um, Gammy, when you stayed... And there are two streets in California, in San Francisco, that have trams on them: California Street and Powell Street. And we were driving up California Street and managed to get one of the wheels. It was raining, and we managed to get one of the wheels on on the. Th- and I remember, I remember, I can't remember whether you or I were driving, but I do remember the wheels spinning, and I remember being able to see down the hill out of one of the side windows of the van. There was tire smoke pissing past. And it was like, the whole time everyone was looking. (laughs) My other memory of that van is that I got out, I've got a video somewhere of it where we were, I think we'd been to see, and didn't we go and see Judas Priest in it? Yeah, we went to see Judas Priest in San Jose. Yeah, with Steel Panther supporting. Good Yeah. Um, yeah, good gig. Um, yeah. Tits for free in the crowd. Who knew? Um, but um, that's the Steel Panther effect. Um, but yeah, um, we went to see, and I remember you went in to get, you'd parked in front of a no parking sign, and I got out to take a photo of the van in front of the no parking sign, which I've still got. I'll send it to you. Um, and uh, I did a little caned video of the sort of the motion control that you had on the seat. I that it only had one bolt holding the seat down, so you could basically rock the seat around completely all yeah, over the show. Because Mark's dogs had chewed up the original vinyl seat, so I went to a pick and pull, and I got this lovely velour seat. They were comfortable. Yeah, for it was from the chateau, like you know, like shag wagon version <laughs> of the Econoline. And I assumed that the seat would fit. Notice that assumed that the seat would fit. It wasn't, the, the, the mounting points were different sizes. So I, I could only mount the seat on one side. So yeah, it did, it did swing. But do you remember it had an armrest? It was that kind of purplish, purplish velour, wasn't it? it oh, it was, it was lovely. It was a super comfortable seat. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that was striking about that van was um, it was owned by Stanford before me. And so it had existed. It was like a 92. So it existed from like 92 to 2008 without hardly any rust because it lived down on the peninsula where it's dry. Street parking in San Francisco with all the salt air, the bump, the, the leading edge of the trunk 
just rusted off completely. I mean, that's how much the rust just completely attacked it. Do you remember? It had that scrape down the side and that rusted and, and ran. The rust streaks ran down the, the, the it side. It had moss on the window ledge as well. It did, yeah, which didn't blow oh, off. It just stayed no. there and, and, and kept growing. You know, the other thing that, that I remember about that Judas Priest night with it was that you said, as we were walking back to the car, you were like, you know, I get this van. That van is a fuck you to everybody. And it really was. And that was sort of why I got rid of it, because I wanted to to not be that it was to it was just offensive whether if you didn't like cars it was polluting and took up a lot of parking space it was when you parked in a parking spot people used to be annoyed because it was so big it meant that they couldn't open their car door to, to get out and people didn't want this ugly van next next to this molestery but, but it to... didn't take up eight spots like um <laughs> like the van did on slater's stag do what is that eight spot story i don't even know that story that i actually had that on my agenda of stories to cover mainly because i don't actually know that that story that wasn't a sherpa that you drove on slater's stag do it was it was an ldv of some sort i think I remember the photos, and it was a Julie. It was like a Julie Sherpa. Oh, yeah. But it was an LD badged LDV by then, like the later. It was a horrible van to drive in anyway. Like the the driver and the the passenger in the front seats sat right on the engine. And so all hot air just comes up through the floor and just, yeah, chokes you. So I wouldn't ever get one of those vans or drive one of those vans again. But yes, it was on the stag and uh, everybody got tanked up whilst I was driving along and it was decided to stop at a motorway services to, sustenance. Uh, <laughs> for sustenance, like Ginster's pasties oh. and oh. such like. Yeah. So pull into the, other the... such high class delicacies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, we pull into um, the parking area. It's not very busy what is it, about six o'clock in the afternoon, something like that on a Sunday or something. And uh, I just, just to get into the spirit of things, because I wasn't drinking and everybody else was, I was like, right, watch this, lads. And just, I, I pulled up on eight parking spots. So the van was four parking spots long. A crossways. And so, yeah, yeah, and I just did a crossways. So I was so, taking up eight spots. On the gap between the two rows of space, yeah. Because I wasn't in the van. I was driving in a different car. I remember arriving and seeing me parked yeah. in eight spaces. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the worst van you drove, Greek? That one. It was terrible. Um, yeah. What was the fastest van you drove? The... Um, the Ford uh, Transit Turbos that the plumbing firm used to have. What what year Transit is that? I mean, that was when I worked at the uh, PSS Midlands. So we're talking 2000, 2002, something like that, maybe. All right. All right. But the Fords, like... Uh, at the uh, the food firm, Howard never would never buy the Fords because they were more expensive to get than the Mercedes. Because your, your entry level Transit had more bells and whistles and bigger engine and that sort of thing than the the Sprinter. 
Interesting. How many miles were you doing when you were van driving like that all the time? How many miles a year were you doing? Uh, ooh, a, a year, I don't know, but I could do um, twelve fifty in a week, two fifty a day. Yeah. So I'm not going to try and do the maths on that, but yeah, 60, yeah, sixty. Yeah. That is. That's on lanes in Devon and Cornwall, isn't it? That's no highway miles at uh, all. Going That's to all. your delivery area and coming back was obviously on main roads, but then the rest of the time you are driving down cobble streets and to beaches and um, across fields and things like that. You know, gated communities down in Cornwall that you have to radio in like a and they'll open the gate and then you drive a mile over a field to deliver to some some hippie um cafe that only serves people that on that are walking on the coastal path out of their kitchen window sort of crap you know huh People get real parochial about fucking vans as well. I mean, the amount of time I, I remember I was driving like somewhere around in Reading. No, I was in Reading. No, it would have been Newbury. And I, I went up this street and I was like, oh, bugger, I'm going to have to turn around. And there was a double paved drive, like really like two and a half drives wide. Like, And I thought, so I, I like checked, no problem, reversed into it, only about half onto it, just enough so I could turn around in the road and head down the street. Um, guy and his wife out of the house, running down the street after me, screaming at the top of his lungs. I stopped and was like, "Is everything all right, mate?" I was—I thought I'd run over his cat or something. Do you know what I mean? It was like that. It was that sort of, you know, absolute apoplectic rage. Um, and he, he just ranted at me. And the, I won't bore you with it, other than to say he basically affronted that I'd used his drive to turn around on. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I've turned around in driveways where they've hung on chains, like across the mouth of the driveway, like, please do not turn here. I just make a point of touching the nose of the car on that sign when I turn. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think we engaged in, in dear ourselves to the neighbours, because didn't you, you used to do that, that geezer across the way in Harcourt Drive? Remember, we used to drive into his drive and turn around after he came out. He'd look out the window every day. <laughs> we wave. No, I don't change, I'm just looking. Was it was it Harcourt Drive, the one where we tore up there was like a grass verge and we, we had shitty cars in front of the house. Yeah. And the landlord had inconsiderately used the garage. Yeah. And so we had to park our well, he didn't, we didn't know when we rented the house we didn't know we couldn't use the garage i was like this is perfect we've got a garage and a drive for two cars we can get stuff in there and work in the garage it was only after we moved in they were like fuck you can't use the garage yeah i i didn't realize that um but do you remember that was when we had that alpha 33 on the lawn yeah the neighbors hated us pretty quickly um after we moved in with our detritus of cars that never moved anywhere and we didn't mow the back lawn Hippies use, hippies use the rear entrance. <laughs> the, only, 
yeah. the mowing of the back lawn. I remember having, having my leather coat on backwards and going at it with Slater's two-stroke streamer. Like I would play like, like it was some kind of jungle in suburban Reading. <laughs> But you remember the neighbours were good mates with the landlord, so they rang up and grasped us. Oh, I, I don't remember so, that. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why that biatch of us an estate agent rang us up and was strobing us because the neighbours had rung the landlord, who'd rung them, who didn't know anything about it, and had rung us to rant at us. And we were like, "Well, we'll get the garden cut before we move out. What's the deal?" They were like, rah, 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 "You've got to cut the of the grass." We were like, oh. "It's like knee high now. I mean, it's yeah. like a meadow." We're like, yeah. Um, I remember you saying. I remember you saying that it needed to be done, and me agreeing that it needed to be done, and not doing it, and you being like, "Mate, it's got to be done," and me feeling an ass for not doing it more promptly. Um, I do remember that. Well, it wouldn't have been an issue if it wasn't for the snitch neighbours. Well, (laughs) looking back, it was out of order that it was a nice suburban house, and I remember some of the it being some of it being above my head, and this was like the back garden. Yeah, it was pretty long. I mean, could, these days, it, we just put up a little sign calling it an eco grove or something, and or you'd get winning an award. <laughs> yeah, we would fucking win an award or something. A Titchmarsh would be down there doing a documentary about it, past the rusting Sierra and <laughs> behind the Capri. Yeah, yeah. Well, both of those would be super collectible and valuable now, wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah. a bloke. Do you remember a bloke knocked on the door of that house to try and buy that Capri off me? I, you know. Well, I fucking should have, shouldn't I? Because it probably would have lived on, and now, uh, and now it's it's gone to the DVLA in the uh, in in the sky. Whilst we pivoted on to mm. cars, um, uh, Greep, you run that Corsa VXR in that rather lurid blue. How is it treating you? Yeah, I do. Well, having been driving it quite a lot just recently, because I'm back in the office say about 50% of the time it's been treating me well it is uh it's a it's a lovely little car to drive all the the poker that I'll I'll ever need um a couple of decent corners both to and from work where you can like you know properly power through them exit speed which corners um when you join the a38 from uh lee mill yeah, you know, you come in under the bridge, and then they yeah, they, yeah, yeah. That, oh, and then up the on ramp, yeah, 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 that's yeah. a good corner. Okay, that, go that corner, because like, we all know this bit of road really well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a good bit of road. Yeah, go on in. Well, and then the same coming off if you oh, get and then like, the same, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. If you yeah, get yeah. the traffic lights coming up Marsh Mill, you've got the on ramp up there as well. Yeah, if you get fortunate with it, you need to be late into the first one, don't you? So yeah. that it's gone green for the next two, yeah. That that climb up Marsh Mill, um, one of my uh, salient teenage memories is is doing that. In um, remember Muir's girlfriend, Andrew Muir, his girlfriend, her dad had a used car lot, and he had a brown Mitsubishi Starion. Sapporo, not Starion. Off that lot one time, and I remember that was the first time I did more than 120 miles an hour in a car up marsh mills because it was it was off the roundabout and muir just launched it and i was like fucking hell i'd never been in a car that pulled past 100 miles an hour like like that before it was a it was a life-changing uh a life-changing moment for me um mark that m2 
how's it treating mm. you now? There, there was we did. Uh, uh, I haven't touched it to be honest. It's it's my project for. I've got a bunch of stuff on car related issues I'm working on this week. So the battery's flat in it because obviously with Angie's illnesses and stuff, I basically didn't drive it anywhere. So it's um, uh, it's battery's flat and it needs an MOT. So that's happening like as soon as they can book it in. Um, I needed to get a new battery in the Z and get the Z work running to get that out of the way, to get it into the garage, to charge it. Um, so that's how, that, which has now happened. The Z lives again, which is great. To, it was nice to hear Zed it lives. fire up. I put this, I put the battery in it and it just went, no. And I thought, oh, bollocks. And I thought, oh, I bought that battery like a few months ago. So I whacked it on charge and the next morning it was like, oh yeah, yeah, no problem. <clears throat> Straight up. So, um, so yeah, so I'm going to do some work on the Z, uh, just some fairly basic stuff. I've got to get the, um, that under tray thing ordered from Nissan. Um, and there's, a, I looked under the bonnet, there's loads of like bolts on there. They're just like little stubby sort of like nut and washer bolts, like one piece jobs. They're all rusted and they look awful and they're all rusted and they're like nothing. So I'm just going to buy a load of those and get that replaced whilst I'm doing some other bits and bobs with it. But now the M2 is going to get fixed or I'm going to flog it because I'm not enjoying it. Um, and uh, then I'm getting the CBR fixed up as well. Cause that just needs an, I've got a battery for that and that just needs an MOT and then I can start using that again. So, um, yeah, yeah. We, I will report back next, next pod on how we've got on with it and how well BMW have serviced me with my extended warranty and whether they've actually fixed the thing. Yeah, I, I think, um, I do think I do feel bad for you with that M2 with the juddery brakes. That's the thing that stuck in my mind from you moaning in the other pod. Well, that's the major structural problem that ruins the driving experience. There's loads of other tinkery issues that don't work on it that have just been a bollock ache. But they'll, I'm sure they'll fix all those. It's will they fix the big one? Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm jumping around here, Greek, but I, I watch these like used car channel guys and they're always like, oh, of course, a timing chain. So is that, I mean, does it. How many miles does yours have on it now? Uh, coming up on 35. No, oh, all right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Because apparently the timing chains stretch and rattle. And I guess right. I have some empathy with you because that also happens on Suzuki GSX-Rs. And uh, I have a bike, like a fairly high mile one, that recently had some work done to it. And the idea was it fixed that and it's as rattly now as it was before. And you're like, well, that's marvelous. I spent thousands of dollars to get exactly the same thing as I uh, as I had before. When I put my foot down in the uh, the Corsa, it still gives me the uh, the goose pumps that it did on the test drive, which is why I bought it. I mean, prior to the test drive, I was, which ST am I going to have? Am I going to have you know go back to um, my Focus ST? You know the uh, the old two point five because I um had found a fairly decent I think it was nine grand one up in Tavistock, but I drove it and it it just felt floaty and heavy. Yeah, it had the the good noise, the two point five turbo engine, and the, you know when the uh, when it dumped, it gives you a little semi every time. You know, um, and then I drove um. Angie's not not Angie's one, but the the um, Fiesta ST, and that felt tighter. And oh, and Dana's got one, or you've got one as well. But I did enjoy that. 
but then when I got in the the courser, it it just felt tighter. It felt more like a um a racehorse that you're like it's on it's on the bridle sort of thing, but it's all pumped up and ready to go. Alrighty, we've talked for over an hour now, so uh, I'm going to go on to the quick fire phase now. But but before I do that, you you pro- you're probably aware I break up episodes now when we pivot from one topic to another, or when I do a choppy edit, I break it up with uh, a, a little uh, a little bit of heavy metal. Um, I was going to do Only Slayer for for this episode. Um, I don't need to explain to you boys why Only Slayer. Um, what I was going to suggest was, uh, what little clips should I use? I tend to use like 30 seconds. Um, what little clips when I say, you know, if you were going to theme this episode with a breakup sections with a few little bits of Slayer, what little bits of Slayer would you boys be thinking of? Uh, the intro to Die by the Sword. Yeah. That's the one way it's the in one ear and then the other ear and stuff, isn't it? No, I think that's behind the crooked cross. Oh, is it? Okay, that one, yeah, that one. Then. All right, yeah. Dens? Uh what's the one that diddly 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 out of heaven? Uh, yeah. Before you see the light, you must die. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, that's uh, I'll, I'll definitely uh, be able to use you, you use that bit. All right, um, quick fire. My first car, that orange Cortina that I had. What's your primary memory of it? They had a nine point one liter engine. Definitely nine point one. Yeah. So I guess the car was a one point six, but the badge kept falling off because the trunk lid, the boot lid, had got rusty. So the badge where it said Cortina 1.6, it rusted and, and fell off. So it had been stuck on with tape and it kept on falling, whatever. One time my dad suggested that I file the top of the one off and then matte black the rest of it because the badge was all black and then stick it on the wrong way up. So it said Cortina 9.1. Can, can I just say, I know you're on your quick fire round, but... Um, can you beat this as a first car story? Yeah, my first car was a Vauxhall Cavalier SRI. Do you remember this? That I bought off uh, Jackie and then sold to Gav. I, I, so he could I have do, but spare. it didn't work. <laughs> it? it didn't work. No, no, I, I never drove it. Couldn't drive it. Bought it for 50 quid and sold it for Gav for, I think, 200. <laughs> <laughs> Cha-ching! <laughs> 
I didn't know it was an SRI. What colour was it? Yeah, yeah. White. Yeah, yeah, white. I remember it being parked out the back. Didn't it, like, have a window that wouldn't go up or something? No, that was the... Th um, was it 209, 309 that I had? That would just randomly lower the window. You were yeah, Peugeot yeah. 309? Yeah. yeah, that was what I used to come down to visit you guys in when I first passed my test. Really? Wasn't it red? Yeah. Yeah. Really? What motor did it have? Uh, an internal combustion engine. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't it have like a 1.5 or something? Yeah, on? it wasn't. All right. Next quick fire. What's your most recent moment? I don't mind going first. Yeah. The go. most recent one for me. When I went to get this K5 serviced with, with John, he was going to put lower clip-ons on it. He was going to take the factory exhaust off and put the Remus one on. And, and I was worried it was going to spoil the bike's character. It was going to, you know, make it more like the other Jixxers that are too hardcore for me to feel comfortable riding. And, and you know, I was worried it was going to spoil its its character. So I thought, but but it needed the valves adjusting, you know, it needed to service, it, it needed care and feeding. So it was, you know, it was going to go under the knife and I was worried its character was going to change afterwards. Um, so I went out for a little ride and, and did something that I've, I've not done for uh, a long time, which is really open the throttle on it properly. And I guess because of the seasons here, you know, when it rains, uh, you know, the sun bakes the tarmac and makes it all melt and get all bubbly and then it rains and the people drive over either way the surface of the roads have these sort of quite often quite large potholes they might be like an inch deep but you know with a quite a rough edge on it either way the kind of pothole which would have you off on a sports bike at the kind of speed that i was doing and going in between seeing two of these potholes and being like oh that foot wide area in between them will be fine and going in between them at a significant rate of speed. That was the most recent time where I was like, you know, it wasn't really a, like a sphincter clencher. It was more of a, uh, I'm too old to, to be doing this and riding in this kind of way and having to make those kind of uh, decisions. So that's mine. So my, mine is just harking back to what we were saying, you know, the entry onto the A38 from Marsh Mills Roundabout. Um, you're coming up the hill to join the main road, and it's only when you're about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way up that you can see yeah. if there's any traffic you, on yeah, the yeah. lanes. Yeah. Because it's above you, yeah. And there's always that moment when you get there and there's, like, some sort of, like, 18-wheeler juggernaut on the inside lane and he's going to come across you but he's 200 meters ahead of you and you've only got 400 meters of the road left what are you going to do ah floor it of course yeah and the the responsiveness <laughs> of your 200 horses um bxr means that you swiftly undertake that um uh, 18 wheeler before it can come across your lane and leaving all the other twats behind you that are coming up struggling up the hill <laughs> My reason, my only, I haven't had any particular issues recently, other than that the uh, uh, on on the Fiesta ST, the uh, throttle body split when we were driving for a weekend away. It really annoyed me. We were going out to watch something at Stratford, on, on the, uh, um, and I didn't get to see the play because, like, basically, it's decided to go. Um, um, 
idle. Um, and then randomly would, because it wasn't holding a re steady revs when you were driving along, it would just go, if, after a bit, it would, this, the fuel injector chip would just, the engine management chip would just get confused and go, ah, and stop sending anything to the, to the so you you just have to coast to a stop and then pull up, turn it off, turn it back on again, and then it's on, you could then get going. But with this constant fluttering accelerator and stuff. So I had to, yeah, because it was getting way too much air, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? It just so couldn't, couldn't manage, manage the, throttle, the, the fuel mix at all. So yeah. I had to drive that back from basically about two-thirds of the way to Stratford. And it did occur to me that if it had been, well, any of you, if me and either of you going to that night out in Stratford, we would have made the theatre and gone and watched the show and just gone, meh, you know, very much in the, you know, writing on, on a piece of cardboard on the Field Ford Sierra out the back of Hammersmith Apollo, their car has broken down and fetching assistance. Please do not tow. And then going in to see Dio, um, having gone at 55 down the hard shoulder through a massive traffic jam in the rain because the car was overheating. Uh, we would have just gone for it, but it would have meant driving through the middle of Stratford. And you know what a nagery little ass monkey the middle of Stratford is because the hotel was right opposite the fucking theater. Um, it would have just been like, it would have been constantly going, rem, 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 like sounding like the worst kind of boy racer bellend <laughs> every, <laughs> every time you put up at the fucking, and then, it, oh. you know, the only thing you could do was just turn it off. Then, it, then of course, you're constantly having to get going again and turn it back on. Now, these days, actually, you sort of sound like you're being eco and having a, you know, a lot of cars do that stop start rather than just you're driving a piece of shit and fucking do what it's told. So no, as it was, we came home instead, claimed on travel yeah. insurance. That um, Dio night, well, I remember about that Dio night, apart from the fact that that was, I saw Dio in San Francisco, but that night in London, he was much, much better. We stayed, mm. Ollie and I stayed just near, like with the family. Um, I last summer when we were in uh, in England, we stayed just near there. And the first night we were staying, Dana had to work, and Ollie and I like strolled. We like strolled around and looked all around, and I was like, "Whoa, this was where I saw Dio." Um, do you remember when we came out? We uh, bought water, drank the water, peed in the bottles, and then poured it into the radiator. I remember doing that. That's the only time I've ever literally put put pee in the other thing i remember about that was it overheating and us being like what the fuck are we gonna do let's just like get over on the hard shoulder and then we were like heater on windows down do you remember it was like a rainy night and we drove up the hard shoulder with the b flashes on and then if you got to the front the police were like the road's open and you were like top stuff dropped a third and accelerate away kind of thing wasn't it <laughs> we were getting such evil stares from all the poor fuckers in the traffic as we just drove up the hard shoulder yeah. All right. Um, that, that, that's Ford's bash on the heater, full max vents on. Don't know why it works. Oh no. The reason the reason it works is that that the uh, um, that the water normally goes engine to radiator, engine to radiator, engine to radiator. If you turn the heater on, it goes engine to radiator to heater matrix to engine to radiator. So it has a longer journey. To Oh, so it's just taking more energy out of it before it goes back in. Oh, I got you. Okay. Uh, it, we mentioned your Cavalier SRI there. Um, Greek, was that the cheapest car you ever bought? That's my next question. Cheapest car you ever bought? It was, yeah. It's 30 quid. Cavalier SRI. 30 quid. 50 quid. 
Gammy. 50 quid, yeah. Uh, I think the cheapest vehicle I've ever bought was that Honda Cub 90 that I think I bought for 190 quid. You don't even try. And I paid $20 for that Kawasaki KZ that I, I bought. Um, Dens, NFL or Premiership? NFL. All right. Easy, easily. It, it's the. I, I'm not the even asking you why because I know it's NFL. It's the greatest team sport on the planet, full stop. Best movie car. Oh, Mad Max Ford Falcon. Yeah, there's a lot you can be saying for that. Only because I've been recently liking him, I'll go with that Ronin SA. After, right. after he ported it, invented it, and tweaked it and stuff. That had a good or, yeah. or, or, or is right, it that... the, the, the Sucks 6000 from Robocop? Ah, oh, still <laughs> got the factory sticker on it. Yes. I'll buy that for a dollar. Oh. <laughs> 6,000 SUX. Favourite car of the moment? Uh, I want one. I want, I want, I want to have a go in one of those um, Yaris GRs. Yeah. We don't get the Corolla GRs over. I'd be interested. We don't get them here. I'd be interested in that. But you get them in the US. We don't get them. But like that, that is a cool looking piece. Piece of kit that Yaris GR, three hundred horsepower in a fucking titchy ass proper homologation special. I, I had then... to go with my mate's Tesla, and I know it was my first experience of an electric car, and it just, um, it, it's pretty fucking far removed from the old <laughs> definition of a car. But yes, the the performance that it could deliver was just on a, a level beyond anything that I'd driven in, you know? It, it, you know when we sat in the, the ring taxi and that guy bombed us round and like we were like, fuck, this is like, you know, he's doing stuff we would never do. That's what the, the sort of step up to the Tesla felt like. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't like the whole rest of it, like the, the screen and it like telling you when you're like not in the middle of the lane and all that crap, like, fuck off, I'm driving <laughs> yeah they they are um i say to people now because i i had a clash with a student about five years ago where i i'd said look they're just not cars to me teslas are just not cars um it's it's and i and so in other words at that time i hadn't yet come to terms with just how revolutionary they were in terms of moving up moving forward with how we define the, the the car what i think what's been interesting for me is is um with tesla the way they sort of were revolutionary and have since then have just done things like improve the build quality and tweak and improve and tweak and improve and where once they were you know like ikea furniture next to a porsche now they're in the same breath as uh, as a porsche don't you think, or are you excited by any, like, there's, yeah. I mean, electric hot hatches coming out now, isn't there? And th I do like that idea. Yeah, I, that Renault one, Gammy, that you were, that Alpine that's like the Renault 5 Turbo, I, I saw some stuff about that. We talked about that on this pod. That is an interesting car. 
I was going to say my favorite, my favorite vehicle at the moment. I didn't have one when I asked you the question, and but there is something that's popped into to my mind. It's led me to be surfing on online these these particular vehicles. I like this BMW CO CE04 scooter. This BMW electric scooter is the first electric vehicle I've looked at and thought that's bloody cool. And the, the driver is that around the city, um, there's these I, there's these neo mopeds that you can rent as part of of um, oh I can't remember the name of the service now, but whatever it's like scooter rental, and they limit them. They're neo scooters, and they limit them to thirty miles an hour. They're great fun for around town. It's a really good i idea that that uh, um, to to do these kind of things. But thirty miles an hour is too slow. These elect so I was looking for some cheapy little electric thing that could do fifty miles an hour. I feel like fifty miles an hour is the fifty miles an hour, and you can park easily. That seems to me to, to, to be the, the sweet spot. But those machines all seem to be about sort of $2,000 at the moment. Of course, the BMWs more than that. It's like $4,000. But um, I saw them when we were um, on holiday in Paris last summer. Um, I, I'm really interested in a moped environment. $13,000. Oh, have I missed, look, looked at the price? Was it another uh, no, one? It's four. I mean, I I I always thought, oh, I'll just look it up whilst we're chatting because I couldn't picture it. And I thought, oh, I have seen a picture of that. And at the top of the page, I'm on the BMW CEO for twelve that from twelve thousand eight hundred and fifty quid. Ah, uh, they're not as expensive as that here, but they're still pretty expensive. They're oh, still okay. more expensive than I'm than I'm going to be spending on one. I'm just saying, I'm quite fascinated by them. If money was no object, I, lo I like the Avangardi looks. On yeah, that's what I love. Cool. It's like uh, you were talking about that suitcase one, Gammy that suitcase moped that looks like a suitcase. I like that as yeah. well, but that's one of the ones that's limited to 30 miles an hour, which is all right. If you've, yeah. if you've like popped out of the tube and you just need to go somewhere, that's, but, but for me getting around suburbia on, but you need 50 miles an hour and I'm ready to do, I'm ready to do two wheels on city streets more than on a dual carriageway because the speeds are too high on a, on a dual carriageway on city streets the speeds are kind of lower and i know san francisco and that's that's a, a use case that i feel like i could uh, i could use um testarossa or gt3 gt3 yeah i probably would take the gt3 as well um i'm really not sure um on that note, gents, thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. This episode has been brought to you by Grand Touring Motorsports as part of our Motoring Podcast Network. For more episodes like this, tune in each week for more exciting and educational content from organizations like the Exotic Car Marketplace, the Motoring Historian, Brake Fix, and many others. If you'd like to support Grand Touring Motorsports and the Motoring Podcast Network, sign up for one of our many sponsorship tiers at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. 
Please note that the content, opinions, and materials presented and expressed in this episode are those of its creator, and this episode has been published with their consent. If you have any inquiries about this program, please contact the creators of this episode via email or social media, as mentioned in the episode.